Tuning in now to the LBX Daily Show. Brought to you by the LBX Collective. Your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now, let's get ready to roll. With your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. All right. Second Daily Show of 2024. Yeah, day three of the new year. Holy moly, it's going by so fast, like at the blink of an eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and one of my favorite things about Wednesdays is, and it's every other Wednesday, so it's not every Wednesday. One of my favorite things about Wednesdays is the newest Fun Across America video comes out. And today, they actually, Fun Across America, which again, if you go to youtube.com slash at fun across America, you can check out their latest video where they go and like visit a couple of different attractions at American dream. And uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, they cover going to some ski slopes, the Nintendo attract, you know, the, like the Nintendo theme park, uh, excuse me, not Nintendo, gosh, Nickelodeon theme park and uh, num- a number of other things that they've got going on there. And I think it's going to be one of a couple of episodes or at least one of two episodes that they're going to do there because there's so much to do at American Dream. I've been before. It's pretty overwhelming. And uh, I was even there a couple of years ago before everything was fully open. Like this, the ski slopes that they visited weren't open yet. They were under construction. But it's uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool place. And uh, Fun Across America does a good job covering it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, they do a good job covering lots of different places, don't they? (laughs) I'm excited to watch it. I haven't had a chance to yet. So yeah, definitely cool. Um, All right. Well, do you know, one of your predictions for 2024 has already come true. (laughs) I don't know if everybody remembers from yesterday, but Brandon was just like, there's going to be a Mickey Mouse horror movie or a slasher movie, and we're all going to have to go and see it. Well, oddly enough, I, I can't actually believe this. I already ran into one. So a horror movie's being uh, developed. It's in the works for a killer Mickey steamboat Willie kind of thing. Um, it's called Mickey's Mousetrap. And I thought that we could just uh, bring it up on screen and take a peek of it out, at it here. Now, one of the things I thought was really interesting, and I wanted to show this right at the beginning, is it actually takes place in a family entertainment center. <laughs> I've seen some rejections in my time, but man, that was a blood all over the jungle gym. Good. Yes. Right all over the jungle gym is hilarious because I feel like we experience that just in general life. And then there are enemies coming to turn into a horror object. Most is. Where the hell did he go? There you go. There you have it. Mickey's mouse trap. <laughs> oh man. And you know, obviously, you know, it's obviously an independent film because the acting at the beginning is pretty terrible, but uh, you don't have to end up watching it. I was saying because it takes place at an FEC and you, you know, but it also is very reminiscent of like poo blood and honey. And so it's like poo blood and honey meets five nights at Freddy's as is kind of like this, Right. Uh, be very interesting but i thought was what was interesting we didn't we skipped over the part where they i think where it showed steamboat willie like very they very specifically tied mm-hmm. in the steamboat willie ip because that's technically like you know not the current mickey yeah. mouse so like they were very clear i think to make it that it was the 
Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse for this video. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this movie. absolutely. And if you guys have time, Google and go watch it. It's just the trailer was so long. I just didn't want to have to sit here for three minutes while we watch this trailer of Bloody no, so terrible. Some of the acting is pretty yeah. bad, but yeah. I wonder what FEC this was actually recorded in. Like who who volunteered up their FEC for this little <laughs> this little movie here? <laughs> it would be fun if, if anybody's able to spot it by watching some of the clips and know. Yeah. Like it'd be really fun. Put it in Discord. Like let's see, let's let's find out who's FEC this is that this was filmed at. Um, apparently somebody has a jungle gym, which is funny because we don't call them jungle gyms in our, right. uh, you know, in our lexicon, but that's fine. Whatever. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, so something else that I could never have predicted, um, for 2024, but Wonderverse is now open. Sony's Wonderverse. We've talked about these guys before. Uh, I, I, I feel like can't. I feel like I'm surprised that you're surprised that you couldn't predict that this actually was gonna, you know, uh, underwhelm you. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's so I think it knew it was just going to be underwhelming, and so, um, you know, it's unfortunately it's I just can't get into it. I think that they probably spent a ton of money trying to do a lot of their attractions, and um, you know, when I visit their website, I still am struck with the fact that I can't stand their logo. I just can't, I think it's so freaking terrible. It's like atrocious. And then by looking at this, like they've got some interesting pictures, but it's so disjointed and doesn't really give me a sense for what the overall, um, the overall experience is going to be. And then, you know, I get down to this list of attractions and really it's two VR games. It's bumper cars this bad boys racing club is another, like is basically an F one style um, sit down and you're driving, basically you're driving like bad boys and racing or whatever the racing club. And then you have an escape room and a couple of bars and a restaurant. So like my, my issue here is that one, they've spent a lot of money theming, but two, like I'm going to go once for two, three hours, maybe grab dinner and I'm probably not going back. Like this is not a repeat attraction type visit. At least I don't think so. Maybe I've totally got this wrong. And there's gonna be tons of people lining up to do Jumanji VR multiple times a year. I just struggle with it. And I think that they just don't have enough. Um, and they've spent a lot of money to fill 40,000 square feet and haven't really given enough in their type of, uh, you know, the, the, the types of attractions they have here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> to me, this feels like it's going to be a very choppy experience and just from their website, like, they, they, I think it's number one, it's a really big miss that they're just putting the branding of the attraction on the actual website and not showing a picture of what the attraction is and how you kind of integrate and operate through that attraction. That's a big miss for me. Like I, I'm, I'm yeah, like just smash bumper cars. My brain is, it's too wired to look all over the place. I'm not going to get that. Right. And I think understanding how these bumper cars work again, like you and I might get it because we're in the industry, but your average person reading it isn't going to quite understand how fun that actually could be if it truly is fun. Um, so they just really missed out on creating a cohesive experience uh, in, in coming to the facility and the way that this website has been launched. So, and again, from Sony, it's surprising. <laughs> it's always yeah. surprising. Yeah. I mean, Sony deals in vi making visual imagery and getting people excited to go see a movie because mm -hmm. they're, because they're watching, you know, because they're watching a trailer. And so I should, they should have for each one of these attractions, they should Ooh. have trailers. Yes. And, and there should be a trailer for each one of these attractions. And maybe that's the way to communicate this to a company like Sony is like, hey, you need to have trailers for each of your attractions. That's actually probably a good way to think of it in general for all of our facilities and attractions is make a trailer. 
people yeah. should know and what they're going to experience. Like we know what to experience when we go to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. I love that. What a brilliant idea. Let's mark that one down for the books. <laughs> Show yeah, trailers exactly. for all of your attractions. Exactly. I want to know what I'm going to experience before I come there. And if I, I want a surprise, then I just won't look <laughs> essentially. Right. Yep. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I still think it would be a great place to check out to just see what the experience ends up being like, you know, and um, maybe the website's just poorly done and the actual experience is much more cohesive than it actually looks like it will be. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. I have some extended family in Chicago well, outside of Chicago and we'll definitely, okay. we'll definitely stop in and visit that the next time I'm in the, I'm in the area. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, all right. Um, so it's winter. Um, I think it's really curious. We're starting to see an increased number of travelers that are showing really great enthusiasm for winter tourism. Um, you're seeing lots of different articles and different facilities and things popping up that are focused on this right now. Um, and I think that's awesome because I live in a very cold weather uh, part of the country. And I always, you know, feel like when winter comes in, everything's shutting down. And the only thing that we can do is go skiing and snowboarding. Right. And um, so for new experiences in the winter to be popping up, I just think it's super fun and super awesome that we can just still be capturing and, um, you know, utilizing our weather, even if it isn't perfect to go out and do these things. So anyway, today I thought it would just be fun to whisk you off to Lake Louise which is a beautiful mountain town with an amazing, pristine frozen lake um, in one of the most picturesque part of the world, which is only a couple hours from me. Um, And I just thought it'd be really fun to kind of walk through what Lake Louise does during the winter months um, to turn it into a real tourism area. I mean, it's almost impossible to go there and find a parking spot in the winter and the summer for that matter, because the hiking is so amazing um, because they they make it such a magical place to visit. So anyway, I thought I'd just go through some pictures and my top 10 reasons for heading into Canada and coming on over to Lake Louise during the holiday season. So let's pull these on screen quickly. All right, here. Um, I kind of mashed together, mashed is my favorite word today, Um, a bunch of different pictures from the area. So you can see this, the beauty. Um, It is famous for its turquoise waters and breathtaking mountain backdrops. Um, Lake Louise is absolutely beautiful in the wintertime or the summertime. You can see a picture of the lake here um, at a bunch of different seasons. All right. Um, it's also the home to the world-class Lake Louise Ski Resort. Um, the, the resort is great for beginners and for pros, snowboarding, skiing, um, even tubing. Then there is the Chateau, the Fairmont Chateau. Oh, sorry. Here's another skiing picture. Then we have the, oh, another one, even in the winter, sorry, Santa will come and do a little visit uh, with his elves down the ski slopes. All right. The next is uh, the Fairmont Shadow Lake Louise. It is an iconic luxury hotel. If you've ever been to a Fairmont, they are incredible. Um, The views and the dining at this place are amazing. You're nestled right in the mountains, right on the lake. It is absolutely beautiful and wonderful. Um, uh, There's a picture of the inside. You can see it's decorated up for Christmas uh, during the Christmas and holiday season. Um, Also, uh, the hiking trails. So there's a ton of different hiking trails that you can do in the wintertime or the summertime. Uh, Up here on the left is a picture of the Lake Agnes Tea House, which is so super cool. They actually have to backpack all the food in and all the garbage out. Um, And so they really create sustainable ways of actually serving the food so that there's not a ton of garbage. um, And it's really well, uh, it's a really well run ship there. Um, And then on the bottom there, you can see some other hiking trails where you can get beautiful views of the mountains and the lake below. Um, also sleigh rides in the wintertime, they offer different sleigh rides where you can snuggle up and glide around the lake in a fairy tale like experience. Um, it's great for the whole family. 
uh, the wildlife, oh my gosh, the wildlife in this area, even in the winter, you get the big horned sheep, you get the moose. Um, they're super fun to see in real life. Uh, it's amazing how long the moose legs are. <laughs> Crazy attraction in itself, honestly, watching them walk around. Um, there's also bear and elk and beavers and a whole bunch of different diverse wildlife up there. Um, then we have Johnson's Canyon, which is amazing. So it's right by Lake Louise, and it's actually um, an area that's built a hike built on a series of catwalks through the canyon that allows you to view the spectacular waterfalls and see all the ice as it freezes in the winter, um, and then just the waterfalls in the summer. Then we have Lake Moraine, which is, it, it has some sort of a clay underneath it, which makes the water absolutely beautiful and stunning. Um, it's a glacier-fed lake, and um, it's right um, in front of the Valley of the Ten Peaks, it's called right back there. Uh, then also um, in the winter time, oh, this is a picture of it in the winter time with snow covering the lake, and you can see the Fairmont down there below. Then in the uh, winter time, we also have ice skating on the lake, which is super fun and cool because it's so beautiful and blue. Um, it's just a great place to skate on. Then now starting in January, they have a winter ice festival, which is amazing. They have uh, tons of people come from all over the world and sculpture different ice um, structures um, on the lake and then beside the lake where you can uh, take a look at them, carving them out with their uh, uh, chainsaws and their picks and their axes, um, as well as, um, uh, you know, they're, they're rated and judged. Here's a few more pictures of them. Here's a canoe. Uh, here is the, the ice castle that they create every year. Here is. Um, I'm not sure what that is. Looks like a fish and a little god or something like that. And they even have a little bar where you can grab a drink uh, from the bar. Um, it's it's amazing. Um, it's quaint. Um, the atmosphere is awesome with the twinkling lights, all the decorations. Um, they even have a Christmas market. They have a champagne sabering event, a gingerbread cookie building um, event. The place is amazing. Um, it's beautiful for the winter and just some place that I thoroughly enjoy and I think would be a great place to visit if you were looking for a winter attraction to go and check out. Yeah, that's awesome. Would you recommend, I mean, it looks like they do a lot of things for the holiday season, like Christmas timeframe, but I mean, going in January, February, I mean, I think there's still probably going to be a lot of snow oh, and cold oh, and everything else. And so um, just curious what the environment is like during that period of time. Oh, it, it's, it's still magical. That's the thing. Even when it's not Christmas time, that whole ice sculpture and the whole festival occurs middle of January till February. So that's actually just coming up. The skiing is still great until the middle of March, even sometimes till April. Um, and they do lots of other fun events like the savoring event. And uh, um, there's a bunch of other wine tastings and probably even cheese tastings, <laughs> um, different fun things like that throughout the year. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, Universal Studios in Florida, the opposite end of the weather spectrum is uh, this is uh, yeah, Universal Studios in Orlando. They've actually dropped their physical maps. And so starting at the beginning of this year, they will no longer be offering physical paper maps, which is really interesting. And they basically said that because they want everybody to drive towards Universal Orlando Resort app, they say guests can also take advantage of other capabilities to maximize their visit, which includes purchasing and redeeming admission tickets, viewing wait times, taking advantage of mobile food and drink ordering, and all the different things that you can get by downloading the app, which have been benefits before. But now if you want to just navigate the entire park, you have no choice but to download the app as well, because there are no more physical maps. And so... I'm actually very excited for this trend. And I think when we begin to see the large parks doing this, then we'll really see everybody beginning to do this from zoos and aquariums and museums and 
every other attraction type on down, beginning to move everybody towards a mobile, uh, their mobile experience uh, concierge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I mean, I love that for a bunch of reasons. Number one, the data that that potentially could provide to the operator on guest traffic and just the, how people play in your parks. Number two is the, the marketing and advertising, like the upselling, actually, sorry, opportunities. So you're walking past like a churro stand or a cotton candy stand. And if it has that ability to kind of geo track or however they might track in that software, offer you a discount or say, hey, you're passing, you know, this beautiful churro stand. Why don't you grab a churro on your way? Past. Um, and, and then even if it could redirect people, like um, maybe the roller coaster you want to go on is super busy right now, and it can redirect people to an area that's not quite as busy so that people can have a better guest experience or, um, you know, a, a faster experience to your park. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I think those are definitely things coming down the line for sure, uh, you know, with just in general with those types of apps and uh, real-time recommendations based on usage and wait times, et cetera. Uh, you know, Disney's experimenting with some of that, but, uh, you know, certainly this will be something that, you know, be part of it. I think what's interesting is that they've at least feel comfortable with the fact that the majority of their visitors, if not all of their visitors, are coming with a smartphone that can actually handle and download the app. And that I think is a big step because if we're now at the point where a universal Orlando that's going to get millions of visitors a year, right. uh, and they expect every one of them to have a smartphone just to navigate their park, then there's really interesting things we can begin to think about as it relates to smaller location-based entertainment venues and having the expectation that the majority, if not all of the guests walking in our doors have a smartphone as well. And if that's the case, then you can begin doing really interesting things within the smaller venues as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I uh, agree more. Yeah. Great. Cool. So another, another transition that's happening is Cinemark. So Cinemark is beginning the transition from uh, just beginning, you know, just, just being big, you know, theaters, having 20 screens, 30 screens, XD theaters and others to actually taking theaters out and some of their trans, uh, some of their locations, and then putting in other attractions. And so, they uh, they trademarked this concept of Gamescape by Cinemark. They trademarked this back in March, but as as of yet, they haven't officially built anything from the ground up or remodeled anything yet that uses that Gamescape brand. However, they just announced, or they're just pushing through in Kansas City, Missouri, a this location specifically. Actually, this is the this is the proposed facade for the existing Cinemark that will be remodeled as Gamescape. And this will have uh, basically 18 lanes of bowl. Uh, this will have some bowling. It'll have an arcade, laser tag. And they're doing this whole play, dine, and explore. I think the explore is interesting. Um, I'm not sure I really get that. And their new location they're building from the ground up in El Paso, Texas. This is the second location that'll have the Gamescape brand. That'll be open late this year. And this is a 67,000 square foot facility. It'll have uh, seven screens, 18 bowling lanes, an arcade, rock climbing, laser tag, and then a bar and dining area. So I think with like maybe the rock climbing or something, you could use the explore terminology. I still just don't know if I like that for what they're providing, but whatever. Um, that being said, it's another one of these large old models that are beginning to iterate and evolve into a multi-attraction model. And when I think of Kansas city, okay, there's some opening for something like this. When I think of Texas, especially El Paso, Texas, I still feel like the whole 
cinema attainment complex thing is going to get real saturated in Texas really fast um, with some of the other existing brands that are already there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I mean, how do they stay competitive if they don't move to this model, at least for some of their locations, they have to offer this, right? Yeah, I think so. Right. Uh, I think that, or you go a different direction. And I think the problem with Cinemark is that they were these big giant buildings and they really have no other choice but to mm. go and and do something different. But I think when you're building, like it's one thing to take an existing building and remove some screens and put in some attractions because you already have the walls and you have the space and you need to do something with it. But to go and build a brand new facility from ground up, like they're doing in El Paso, Texas, like that's a real choice they're making. And yeah, I think what fair. they could do instead was do is do like experiment with a couple different models, experiment with the Gamescape model and some of their existing facilities, but experiment with this smaller community theater model that works really well in smaller areas. Like I exclusively go to this theater called Majestic Theaters. It's very similar to Alamo Draft House, which anybody in Texas would be very familiar with. And it's this seven screen model. And I come in and I sit down and I have food delivered to me and it's, it's, uh, it's elevated food and beverage. And it's, it's like a small little community theater. And they do a lot of community theater stuff as well. They bring in old run movies and they play them. Then they do big community events. Like they do Rocky Horror Picture Shows and things like that. And I think they should really be thinking about different models and not just try to go and do the big giant thing that everybody else is doing in the cinematainment world. Yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying. Like the rip off and repeat, honestly, it, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, they could be repeating something that's not going to work either, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. it's good yeah. to get the knowledge, but at least they're getting their foot in the door here, right? And putting some stuff in, they'll learn from what they're doing. Um, and actually, one of the cool things that um, they have here in Canada with Cineplex is they they have started to actually play around with the idea of the VIP service model, which I like. So they've got that community smaller community model in the big um, uh, movie theater, um, arena already. So if, if you walk into one of these theaters on the right hand side, you can go to VIP and it's a smaller theater where you get served the food and the beverage. And then if you go in the left, it's just for the general public where you don't get that same level of service. So maybe Gamescape could look at putting something like that in here too, right? Splitting the model and seeing what works better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it's about at this point. When you're making this evolution as a company, try multiple different models and see what sticks, see what works. And then reiterate or expand on those models that seem to be working. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Interesting. All right. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. So all of you LBXers, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned and keep kicking ass. See you tomorrow. <laughs>